Welcome to Sacred Silence. This is Suellen Jones. Today, if uh, you've been listening to these podcasts and they're really blessing you, then please consider supporting it by just hitting the red button for the amount that you wish. And I will really, really appreciate that. I invite you to my Sacred Silence Facebook group, my um, Essential Life Essence webpage, and you can access all of the information in my program notes. Also, don't forget, you can leave me a voice message through the Anchor app, or also in the notes will be my email and a, a text number, so I can be reached that way as well. I encourage everyone to investigate and find out about essential oils because they are such a huge help in your practice of meditation. This is something that you can do and add to your daily routine. It is beneficial body, soul, and spirit. There, the power of the oils is to raise the awareness, to raise your mind and heart to a higher consciousness, to help awaken us to our higher self, to our God consciousness. So I recommend them highly. Today I have uh, given myself a blend um, called Intune and have applied it to my temples and to the back of my neck and over my heart. And um, the chemistry of these oils chemically will change my thoughts. So stay with me. There's going to be a short word from our sponsor, and I'll be right back. Welcome back to Sacred Silence. Today I'm diverting from my normal format. This will be a teaching meditation. If you are interested in how we meditate, why we meditate, then this one will be for you. So what is meditation? Well, oftentimes the simple and short answer that we have for that is that we are living out the answer to our prayers. In prayers, we make petitions. We ask God, we praise God, we're thankful. And in meditation, we meditate upon the answer, the truth. So let's break that down a little bit. What is meditation? Well, first of all, meditation accesses our quiet place. It's our place where we can be still and know God. And I wonder how many of you always feel successful about being still. You see, sometimes that's the big put-off. We've tried it before, and our minds were racing. The very fact that your mind is racing is a clue that you are not entering into quietness. Therefore, there's quite a bit of the spirit that you are missing. What if you could quiet your mind? And I believe you can. Meditation is one way. Why is our mind working all the time? And is it even possible to be still? 
Well, the Bible does say that we should meditate on his word day and night. So I believe the Bible says that it's possible. I'm just going to go back on that. (laughs) What would the process be? Now, perhaps this is foreign to you. When we pray, we generally bow our heads and close our eyes, and that's very familiar and similar to meditation. But in prayer, we are using our mind to formulate the prayer. And we might even have a list in front of us, and we are going to pray for certain people and certain things, right? But in meditation, we first must enter the silent, quiet place of prayer. And we do that by breathing. You remember in the very beginning, God breathed into Adam the breath of life, and he became a living soul. The word soul here means being. So God's breath is what gave Adam life. He became a living being, a living person, a living soul. When we're breathing, one thing we have, we, we just never think about it, right? Don't you breathe when you're in bed at night and you breathe, you're sleeping, you don't remember breathing, but you did. You wake up in the morning, you go about your whole day. You may never, ever, even one time in the course of the day, think about breathing. Just like heart rate and your blood cruising through your arteries and veins. You don't think about how every cell in your body is absorbing nutrition and oxygen and all the exchange of chemicals that's going on. There are many, many automatic functions. Breathing is one of them. And we don't think about it. But when we do put our attention on breathing and we observe its flow, now we begin to think about something, bring into our conscious mind an act and a process, a bodily function that we normally never, ever think about, which means we are now accessing a subconscious portion of our brain. Now think about that. Something you never, ever, ever think about, but now you are. And now as you think about it, you are literally putting your brain into a brand new wavelength. That's the science. That's the science. If they put a bunch of electrodes on your head and they had you just Uh, begin concentrating on your breathing, then the wavelength would go from alpha to theta, and it would show up, and it does show up. I've literally sat in, it'll affect your blood pressure too, it'll bring it way down. I always sat in the dentist chair, and I'm kind of nervous about dentists, I don't like it very much, and I know that it's a, a Kelly's Hill for me, And so I just did some deep breathing for about two or three times. My blood pressure went from 133 over 100 down to 118 over 66. They had a blood pressure cuff on me, and they watched it go down. So this is how we access a different brain wave, which also has a physical effect on our body. We begin to shift from the conscious alpha brainwave to the subconscious theta 
brainwave. So why shift? Who cares, right? Who cares if we make the shift? Well, the first reason we care and the foremost reason, it allows us to enter our secret, silent, quiet place. It allows us in the subconscious, theta brainwave, to be still and know God. Now, how many want to know God? And God said, meditate on my word day and night. However, when our minds are never still, are we truly fulfilling that meditation? Or are we going through emotion and not receiving the benefit? Once we find ourselves in a quiet place, spiritually you have entered the most holy of holies. You have entered the last room of the tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant with the and angels touching wings, that is the symbolism, that is the picture. It is you and God alone. And secondly, once we enter our quiet place and truly are in this quiet place, we will know God. And in our conscious mind, excuse me, in our subconscious mind, years ago or through life's experience, there will be some programs running. These are some other, remember in your subconscious where all the automatic functions occur. Everything that just spontaneously happens. So let's say when you were five, someone spoke very sharply to you about your weight. You're too fat. Five years old. (laughs) And you're too fat. You need to go on a diet. You better put that child on a diet. And you overheard all of that. Bam, they went right into your subconscious mind. And from then on, every time somebody was offering you food or something, there was a little underlying script that was running. It was a little program running in the background saying, that child is too fat, that child is too fat, that child is too fat, you are too fat, you are too fat. It's been running since you were five years old and you heard that comment. And you reacted right then and there. An imprint was made on your subconscious mind. And every single time you respond with, you are fat, you are fat, you are fat. That is how we offend a child. And later in life, then we have to, we have to learn how to reprogram these messages that we received when we were younger. See, Jesus says that children know him. It is an offense, how terrible it is that we should have a millstone hung about our neck, cast into the deepest sea, anyone who offends one of these little ones who believe in me. And what does it, who believe in me part mean? It means that those offensive comments were not true, they were lies. And it took them, took this child away from a faith, away from believing that they were perfect. They were wonderful, perfectly made, but now they think they're fat. 
So that's a great offense in God's mind to offend a little one. So it takes these old, fearful, anxious, and limiting beliefs become available. Now we are in our subconscious mind, and we can now reprogram according to the truth. But what is the truth? Hmm, what is the truth? Well, the truth is, in the Christian realm, the truth is usually uh, found in the scripture. You can find most or all of truth in the scripture. We know one thing, Jesus would have spoken the truth. And we know that there's much of it is recorded. And so, but what is the truth? And I go clear back to the Garden of Eden. And in the garden, they were perfect. They were whole. They were provided for. Everything was perfect. And God said he made them in his image. The truth is your identity. The truth is God is your father. And it is found in the quiet place. When you are alone and it's just you and God, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And you will know who you are. And that is the most freeing, liberating message you will ever receive in your entire life. So, who did the Hebrew fathers meet when they were in the most holy place? Well, they met their Jehovah God, right? That's why they were in the tabernacle and had gone. Only the high priest entered the most holy place, which, of course, all of us are priests, right? After the order of Melchizedek. So, in your quiet, still place, your most holy place, it's only you and God, right? And you, your identity, is completely in Christ. It says, Christ in you, your hope of glory. Christ is God. Am I correct? God and Christ are one, and in you is your entire hope of glory. Right there. We are in Christ. And it is, this is the new creation that was spoken of in the New Testament. The new wine. This is your personal identity, that your DNA carries God's DNA. It's just like your parents gave you their DNA. You've got God's DNA too. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she conceived of the Holy Ghost. Well, that's never really changed. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> it says the seed of God is in you. And it's incorruptible. <laughs> I know when Nicodemus says, Jesus, well, how can I enter my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, it's not like that. He said, it's like the wind blowing through the trees and you see it and you hear the effect of the leaves rustling and blowing in the wind, but you can't see it. So it is with everyone born from above. There is only the wind of God, the change, the turning around and recognizing who you are is all that it takes. 
All you need to know is that God's DNA, the imaginal cell of God, is in you, as you. And once you access this divinity, your divinity, it's um, a revelation that God gave me once was, I poured myself into a blender, and I poured Jesus into the blender, and then I put the blender on high, and that was me. And I thought, that was the, <laughs> the little vision that I had. And I thought, that is pretty amazing, isn't it? <laughs> and it truly is, because we are one. Jesus is just as God and I or the Father are one, and he came to reveal that. So are you and I. Well, that was the way I saw it as a, a milkshake. I was a Jesus and Sue milkshake. And maybe you ought to think about that. Pour yourself in, pour God in, turn it on high. And there you are. That's you. And the kingdom, once you have that revelation of who you really are, God in you, Christ in you, then you know that the kingdom of God is within you. Your perfect garden is in you. It's not somewhere out there. God is not out there. He's not in heaven. He's in you. You are the kingdom. And so from apart from being still, this may never happen. You may never recognize that. Because it is in stillness, be still, that we know God. It is in that stillness that we can know God. When the Bible says we should go into our closet to pray, okay, that kind of takes you away from people, right? And Jesus withdrew himself from others all the time to pray to his Father, and his prayers and his meditations were always filled with the acknowledging of who he was. First and foremost, he knew who he was. That's a very big understanding. And for instance, if a child knows that they're your daughter, they're your son, you want them to know that, right? You want them to know your la their last name. But they, you want them to know the family history. You want them to know you in a very personal and intimate way. And to love who they are. And that's the next step. To love who we are. To love ourselves with a perfect love. And then there are things that, um, we can pray believing. We can pray with living words um jesus is the living word as as we pray we produce words of life another part of meditation then is coming having an affirmation you don't always have to have one it would just be a statement could, in a christian world you probably call it a statement of faith and affirmation is really just stating the truth about who you are. So instead of saying, um, God, I would really like to have some health. Please make me healthy. That would be a prayer. And affirmation under meditation would be, I am healthy. I am perfectly healthy. As you say that and see it scrolling across your mind, it is a visualization. And why would we visualize? Because pictures are God's language. 
That's why all the stories in the Bible. You know, when you read a story in the Bible, what do you get? You get a picture in your mind, don't you? David and the smooth stones and Goliath. Or maybe it's uh, Jonah and the whale or the big fish. Or you know what I'm saying. We always have a nice picture of what's going on. It's in our mind. Now picture yourself and your identity and see yourself doing the thing you would do. It is fulfilled prophecy. It is seeing the answer. It is seeing the truth before it even manifests in your world. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what Christian faith is. It is recognizing something before it is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when we take our affirmation, let's say you were really sick, and so you said, I am healthy, and you said it, you said, I am healthy, and now you see yourself up and about and laughing and happy and full of joy, healthy in every way, and you just see it. You are literally releasing faith that creates your reality. Because the very next thing that happens is the manifestation. When things aren't manifesting for us, we have to go back and check ourselves. What do we really believe? We may have a whole ton of limiting beliefs working under the surface. And those need to be revealed to us. Manifest. Actually, when you get into meditation, if you follow through, you can actually uncover many of these limiting beliefs and you can bury them because all that subconscious stuff is revealed in meditation. Okay, so our visualization says your circumstance, whatever it is, maybe you're unhealthy. Plus your perception. Your perception is your visualization. Seeing in the spirit. Using your mind's eye. Believing. Walking in the spirit. Seeing what is in God's world. God said, by my stripes, you are whole. Doesn't mean you will be, might be, could be, should be. It says you are. So now we're just going to see it in our mind's eye. We say it with our mouth. Believe. And you, you confess Jesus with your mouth and you believe it in your heart. You confess your health with your mouth and you believe it in your heart. Same thing. And in the New Testament, Jesus was asleep in the boat. And there was a raging storm going on. And in his mind's eye, Jesus, in his theta brainwave, because he was asleep, he was perfectly calm and he was really seeing the world as a peaceful place. But his disciples saw the circumstance and they saw the angry waves. And they woke him up and they said, Teacher, do you not care that your disciples are going to perish? <laughs> and Jesus, of course, cares, of course. He says, Peace be still to the waves. And then he looks at them and he says, Do you still have no faith? I think he was suggesting they could have done that themselves. Look at the wave, look at the circumstance and see it. Say to that wave, peace be still. See it in your mind's eye as already done. 
and watch what happens in your world. Faith is not what you see with your physical eyes. It is what you see with your eyes of your spirit. Visualization will bring an inner sight to our present circumstance. Spirit sight or visualization comes before the miracle. Well, then we need to be thankful. With the highest form of faith is thankfulness because we are being thankful for that which we have not yet seen. So in the case of health, we would say our affirmation, I am healthy. I am happy and I am healthy. We would see it with our, in our mind's eye, we would just see ourselves healthy and happy doing things we haven't done in years because of ill health. And now we say, thank you. Thank you for all this wonderful health that I have chosen health. I have chosen to be healthy. I have chosen to believe the word that God does is the God of the impossible. I have chosen to believe all things are possible to him who believes. And being thankful is the highest form of faith. And uh, Jesus says, be thankful in all things. (laughs) So if you don't like where you are right now, be thankful where you are right now. Just be thankful because that is the only way out. I hope this has helped you today. There's a lot I haven't said. We have not talked about free will and what that really means. We haven't talked about sin. What does that mean? But I will say this. I want to say this much about sin. The greatest, most horrific thing that can ever happen to a living human being is to not know their identity in Jesus. Once you know that, everything else will be okay for you. Once you know that, it is the secret of the universe. For a Christian, you know, there's many other streams, there's many paths. Many of them are similar, say similar things, using different language or different symbols from different cultures. It is not about judging. It is not about being right. It is simply believe that God is good all the time. God is good. Until we meet again.